Hello and welcome to Fungibility. The, the crypto world never sleeps. It's been always a, a crazy week. I, I think I say that every episode, so I'm sticking with the crazy week. We've had a number of really interesting conversations over the last week with folks, and, and the NFT world in particular remains ridiculously hot. You'll, you'll have seen that there's been a number of really interesting stories that have popped up in, in the NFT world, and in particular where there was an interesting story that caught my eye, I think it was yesterday, with some stats that came out of this project called looks rare and they said something like 85 percent of looks rare um activity was basically wash trading and so so i think that's another proof you got to look a little more closely at some of these projects what may appear to be the most most successful maybe a little bit manipulated but there's a lot of a lot of exciting legitimate activity going on in the world i saw that justin bieber just bought his first board ape uh, apparently, he spent way too much on it, which is kind of funny. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that he probably didn't buy it himself. But anyway, we've got a really cool show lined up here today. We've got uh, Kim from Cello, who I've been chatting with over the last uh, well, a few months now. And she's been doing all kinds of interesting work with the Cello organization. And for those that aren't familiar with Cello, we're about to get a full uh, lesson in how and why Cello works. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ruth. Uh, good to be here. And I, I enjoyed your introduction. Um, I was keeping up with the looks rare news as well. And I, I remember the first day I went on Zap Raider and saw that it had kind of surpassed all of the other marketplaces out of nowhere. And I thought to myself, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny story. And if you look, apparently they have this kind of reward system that rewards their sort of traders for activity. So the more you buy, the more you trade, the more you sell, you get these looks rare coins or tokens or whatever they call it. And essentially what that did is it, it really was an incentive for a lot of users to just basically trade with themselves and get the tokens. Mm. So it's like I'm moving some money from my left pocket to my right pocket and getting some of these looks rare coins, I guess. Oh, it's, it's like singular entity ponzi -nomics. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's a little. Uh, what 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 would my uh, thirteen year old say? It's a little sus. I think is what he would say. Um, it's a little sus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's you know, uh, some people would say a lot of things going on in crypto right now are a little sus. Yeah, it's 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 a buyer beware space, but there's also a lot of really cool stuff happening. And yes. as as listeners to my podcast know. You know, there's a, a few things that I'm really into. One, you know, obviously environmental causes, blockchain, NFT. And I think Cello is kind of at the inflection of a lot of those things. So can you tell us, you know, a little about yourself and your and what the work you're doing with Cello? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I run the NFT initiative at Cello, Cello Foundation. Um, Cello is one of the top blockchains. And um, I don't think we're as well known as like the top three or four. But we've been focusing on a very sustainable approach to Web3. And that sustainability ranges from literally environmental sustainability and re regenerative economies and how we can support those to uh, financial sustainability and you know, having a lot of our uh, transactions be focused on using our staple coins, uh, which are backed by our own reserve, which is in turn backed by actually natural asset tokens. I'm happy to get into the details of that. But um, yeah, Cello's recently started really 
um, investing in the NFT space because we see NFTs as a really interesting utility, um, especially in the world of climate and prosperity, which are things that we as a blockchain, as an organization are really interested in. Um, my background is in both climate and in digital art, which seems very disparate, but um, in the world of NFTs actually have come um, has come to be uh, an appropriate overlap, especially um, in the world of solo. Um, so I started, I started my career um, working in China at, a, at an early stage company that invested in and built clean energy projects in China using carbon credits. Um, and this was a while ago when the carbon credit world was, was burgeoning. And it's been interesting to see that conversation kind of reignite about 10 years later and have this vision of how it's going to work on Web3 and utilize the, the underlying technologies of NFTs to create more transparency and more legitimacy for some of those carbon offset and carbon sequestration projects. Um, I think there's a lot of promise there and there are a lot of things to talk about in that world. Um, and, you know, after, after doing that for a while, um, came back to the United States where I'm from and um, I was at grad school at MIT and started thinking a lot about the promises that Web2 had made to creators. And this was still very Web2 days. Um, and the economics for, for visual artists, for music, musicians, et cetera, just weren't like going in the direction I think we had all hoped. Um, so I started this company to you know, help bring more awareness to and more participation in digital art and hopefully change some of the economic um, relationships that creators had with their own copyrights and IP to favor them more greatly than a lot of the middle businesses that ended up taking a huge chunk of that. Um, Web2 ended up not, I think, not being the best infrastructure for that for, for many reasons. I think we see see today, especially for, for musicians who are still relying mostly on touring, um, unless they're like hyper successful, um, you know, very, very top echelon. So when, when I started getting into Web3, and <clears throat> one of the things that, that drew my interest was this ability to actualize on this vision of creating a world where it's easier to be a creator, easier to be an artist, easier to be a musician um, in terms of like control over your, your own creative output and your ability to generate monetary value from that um, in a way that's more sustainable. And because Solo as a blockchain, you know, its mission started out as, as prosper financial prosperity and that, it's, that mission has remained, but it's also grown as the blockchain and the organization has grown to include the more specific ways of looking at prosperity. And NFT initiative is looking at prosperity and specifically in terms of prosperity for for creators how do we really make that possible um, and another thing we focus on is the use of nfts for different types of climate projects and how we do that in a way that is rigorous and environmentally sound and isn't in the world of of greenwashing um, so that's what i've been spending most of my most of my time on over the last few months oh that's a a, a lot on diverse backgrounds you have, you know, you, you know, starting with China, um, you know, some of the listeners might know I spent a bit of time in China with a previous startup I started. So if you're ever looking for a uh, 
nice tea house in Harbin, China, or or the Ice Festival. I, I you know, give me a give me a ping. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all, all about Harbin, China. But you know, China China is one of those weird dichotomies when it comes to you know environmentalism, right? You know, as as mm-hmm. you might know, I'm I'm the cloud guy, so a lot of the cloud infrastructure in China was developed uh, and created by my my previous companies. But the the uh, you know. On one side of the spectrum, you got these, you know, these opportunities, the cloud, blockchain, other sort of emerging technologies. I guess cloud isn't even emerging anymore, excuse me, anymore. But, you know, there's also this sort of impact that it has in the environment, right? And, you know, there's this sort of, you know, as a a founder, you want to create, you know, opportunities, as you say, for for those who may not have them, and, you know, myself included as an entrepreneur. But you also don't want to do that at the detriment of the planet. Right. And I think that that's what really attracted me to some of the things that Cello was doing is that you've got this sort of socially conscious, environmentally conscious approach to the technology that you're developing. And it's not, you know, done in a way that's purely, I don't know, capitalistic, like I want to make as much money in the shortest period of time, sort of Silicon Valley style <laughs> that, that you see a lot of these uh, crypto outfits popping up with. So. You know, the, the, the couple things I think that you've mentioned that really stick out to me are this idea of NFTs as a unit of empowerment, whether that's environmental, mm-hmm. whether that's social or something else. I think that's, for me, that's the thing. Maybe you can share some ideas on, on how, how you guys are doing that. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, I like the way you put that NFTs as a unit for empowerment. Um, I think that the, NF, the NFT technology, both in its current form and whatever the future forms that it takes because I do think that there will be additional EIPs that lead to even more more sophisticated uses of kind of like the underlying tenants of the NFT. Um, but one of the things that I, I think is empowering about them is the ability to transfer economic value in ways that are more aligned with people's own values and like public markets, et cetera, don't always allow us to do that. There's, there's a, a company that um, we work with at Cello that I just, I like love this example so much. The company is called Loam. And, you know, at their heart, they're an agri- agricultural technology company. And one of the opportunities that the founder identified is there's a lot of agricultural land being used to farm what we call like g- g- generic produce, non-organic produce. And the practices involved with that type of farming are really detrimental to the land, uh, biodiversity, the environment, and the land's ability to, to capture carbon effectively. Um, and what he saw is that, you know, a lot of these farmers are actually very motivated to switch to organic farming, which is significantly better for the environment and the land and unlike kind of like fits all the tenants of what one looks for in, in like regenerative economics from a, a, a natural resource perspective. Um, and he was like, but this, it takes four years. I think it's three or four years to make that conversion. And, and he was like, and these farmers are not like, it's not a currently like high margin business where people can have three or four years of patience where the land is lying fallow. Um, in order to achieve that. So, you know, he came to us and was like, what are different ways we think we can use Web3 to maybe like mobilize normal citizens' desire to see this change in the world and enable these farmers to make these change changes that are not only environmentally beneficial, but actually economically beneficial to the farmers because organic produce is more expensive on the market than generic produce. Um, 
And one of the things that we've been talking about is like the NFT as a vehicle for enabling that, as a vehicle for economic transfer that people who are interested in this can invest in and also make money off of. And to me, that's like the epitome of doing well by doing good, uh, which is very much what Cello looks for in opportunities that we really want to support and how we think about like the infrastructure of what we're building internally and what we're supporting as a blockchain. Um, so I'd like to use that company because it really like, it just like hits, hits all the notes that I think are, are, are important and empowering about like the NFT as a utility. Well, that's, that's actually a really good example. And for our listeners, you'll, if you visit fungibility.co, you'll see on the left-hand side, every episode has its own challenges. You can get points and rewards for sort of participating in this particular episode's challenge. I'm going to go on a limb and say we'll include that last company in our challenge. Visit their site and you'll get 50 points. Uh, Laura, our executive producer, who's sitting quietly, remember to include that in this week's um, podcast challenge. So the the interesting part of what you said, I think, is this idea that NFTs, again, are kind of a tangible way to sort of, you know, interact and transfer value within the concepts of an ecosystem, you know, in this case, a digital ecosystem in a way that wasn't really possible previous or maybe not as easily uh, sort of facilitated. And I think that that's what an NFT does, right? It provides that kind of level of transparency in a way that's visual. You know, an NFT has this sort of an innate visual component. It's a graphic, it's a badge, it's a membership. It's something I can show off where some of the previous kind of tokens that you'd see in these, uh, you know, crypto-based outfits were intangible in the sense that I've got a billion of these tokens in my wallet, but th- what does that really represent? You know, maybe I get some yield okay. if I put it into a yield farm or, or something, or if it's in a DAO, I might get a few votes, but it, it lacked that kind of visual appeal, that, that ability to, to showcase that I, I own this thing and, it, and it's visual or video or something. And I think, When you combine that, as you say, with the arts, media, and other sort of visual mediums, you've got this new tangent to add credibility and visibility and all those other abilities to to something that was, I don't know, not particularly transparent. So I think you're you're quite right there. I had an interesting question, though. In regards to what you're doing with things like carbon offsets and environmental impact, Mm -hmm. and I know that Cello has this concept of a kind of environmental fund, I think, and, and essentially mm-hmm. a portion of the sort of transactional activity when I pay for gas and do things on Cello blockchain goes to like an, uh, like an offset fund of some sort. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, so Cello, um, Cello's economic structure and governance structure is based on the Cello Reserve and all of the Cello stable coins, which now include CUSD, CEURO, CREAL, and soon CPESO, um, are backed by this reserve. And the stable coins are backed by a reserve and they have also an algorithmic peg function. And um, I, I have to send you guys the white paper on this and the article on this, but a few weeks ago, um, some information was released about the efficacy of stable coins and um, how far different stable coins move from their peg. And Cello was found to be one of the most reliable sets of stable coins because of our both reserve and algorithmic approach to how those stable coins remain pegged. Um, and one of the things 
in the reserve is actually a natural backed asset. So natural resources that are bought and protected using tokens that we keep in our reserve. The reserve also includes a cello, you know, cello dollar, cello's asset and other cryptocurrencies, et cetera. Um, but a large part of it is is this this natural backed asset component. And there's the reason that exists is again, it's kind of similar, you know, the NFTs are not not um, always used for this, but they're actually we're starting to use them a little bit for this. Uh, but one of the things, you know, that's that's important there is when we talk about like the trans tokens, whether they're fungible or non-fungible, as a way to transfer economic value and to shift how we look at that value. It's like what we decide is valuable, right, in terms of what we back currency with is what society tends to invest in. So when the U.S. dollar was pegged to um, like gold, gold became incredibly valuable, right, in this economy, more so than it was before, because it was tied to our currency of transaction. And the theory behind having a large part of our reserve be natural backed assets is that concept that we will invest in what we decide is valuable. And Cello very much believes in regenerative economics. So we have decided that natural assets are incredibly valuable and we want to find ways to protect those legitimately and long-term and with scale. So the better that Cello does as a blockchain, the more we're able to grow, the larger this component of our reserve gets and the more natural assets that we're protecting. So we're the only like originally carbon neutral. And at this point, we're actually quote unquote carbon negative um, blockchain because we've been doing this since the very beginning. Um, and Cello has been continuing to invest in different ways of supporting Web3 and legitimate climate uses. And a few months ago, we launched the Climate Collective, which is a Cello initiative that's spun out to help support climate companies to utilize Web3 in the most effective way possible and scale as many of those companies um, as we can. Oh, that's a, that's a great initiative. And one of the reasons why we, we're big fans of Cello. And this particular episode will be minted on the Cello blockchain just for our regular listeners, just to give you a heads up. So when you uh, get the NFT this week, it will be on Cello. And, you know, it's been a, an amazing conversation. And time has really flown by quickly. Where can our listeners learn more about you and, and Cello? Um, lots of places to learn more about Cello. I would start with, um, you know, the usual uh, Twitter, um, Discord, and let's, and also our website, which is a cello.org. Um, and on cello.org, you can kind of learn more about um, the blockchain itself. We're the, we're the first mobile-first blockchain, and our NFT ecosystem is a mobile-first ecosystem, which is pretty interesting. We didn't talk about that. Um, you'll be able to learn about our um, Prosperity Alliance, which is a really interesting effort that we've had um, since very early on. And our DeFi protocols and all sorts of uh, interesting, you know, fellow world information that we didn't even touch on in this conversation. Yeah, there's there's definitely, we'll need to do another follow-up. I will be in Barcelona next month. Let's make sure to carve out some time to do uh, a, a little bit of a follow-up and deeper dive. But for our listeners, if you're interested in anything that we've been discussing today, again, check out the 
fungibility widget on the fungibility.co website, and you'll have links to the Twitter and Discord, white papers, anything that we've discussed today, and you'll get the extra added benefit of getting a few extra points for, for doing those challenges. Uh, Kim, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for, for having me. This is fun. I, I love talking about Solo. My, my pleasure. Until next time, this is Ruve, Fungibility. Mm -hmm.